If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello everybody, I hope you're well. Andy here. Um, I don't know how we've managed it, but we've made it to episode six. Episode six of the Early Excellence podcast, which also means that it's very nearly half term for most of you. Um, some of you will be ha- having half term next week, some of you the week after. Um, either way, we've nearly made it. It's inside, definitely. Um, I hope you've been able to avoid all of the uh, the nasty coughs and the colds that are going around. Coughs, colds and, uh, and of course, other things as well. Um, I hope you've managed to avoid all of that and you've stayed safe and well over the this half term. Um, in terms of this episode of the podcast, um, what we've got for you is episode two or part two rather of our new to teaching in the EYFS series of series of podcast episodes. OK, so in part one, what did we look at? We looked at uh, well, we looked at relationships. We looked at um, the importance of close, warm, friendly relationships with children. And of course, across our staff team, those professional relationships across the staff team and also with parents as well. And having that really important starting point in building those relationships. In this episode, in part two, we're going to be looking at the resources and systems and organisation and routines that we need to consider as part of our classroom practice. Um, remember, it's a broad church. We, you don't have to be new to the EYFS to listen in on, on this particular episode. Um, it very much is a broad church. We're not going to boot you off the podcast if you happen to not be somebody who's new to the EYFS. Um, and there are some, I think there's some handy things in there that you, you actually may find really useful, even if you've been teaching for a good while. It's one of those things about teaching, isn't it, that I think it can be really easy to to forget certain things over time because we're constantly being asked to do new things or certain things change within the way that things are organised within our school or setting. And it's very easy to lose track of some things that actually previously had been part of our practice. So coming back to some of these key principles that we talk about here might actually be just the job for you, even if you're not new to the EYFS. Anyway, here you go. I hope you find the episode useful. Um, New to teaching in the EYFS part In part one of our our early career teacher blog, we outlined some of the fundamental relationships that need to be formed and, of course, nurtured when working in the EYFS. Now, we're going to look beyond those relationships and begin to look at some of the other key things that you're going to need to consider. As a new teacher, of course, it can be easy to feel overwhelmed by the number of different jobs that need to be done and by the demands on your time. In this, the second part of our series, we're going to take a close look at some of the key elements of effective day-to-day practice, really to help you to prioritise what's important. Let's start by thinking about routines. Routines and resources and how we establish those routines. Well, early on in a new school year, and particularly at this point, as we come towards half term, it's important to reflect on 
routines. Uh, it's important to reflect on what's working and perhaps what, what could be more effective. So it's important to think carefully about our daily routines. Are we making best use of our time? Try to avoid having to get things out for the children. So avoid having to get your indoor and outdoor resources out every day for your children to access. It can be really time consuming apart from anything else and it doesn't really benefit the children. Instead, try to organise your resources so that the children can access them independently. So that by, so by organising them, you're supporting play-based learning. Think about how resources are labelled and stored so that they can be easily and independently accessed by the children. Effective shadow backing and labelling can lead to effective learning, even really as part of tidy up time. Um, shadow backing, if that's a term you've not heard before, shadow backing, um, if we are to put shadow backing within a provision area, works well really within a water area and within a sand area and works really well within a block play area too. It's a, a, sh a shadow, a cut out template that will, that will be stuck onto a shelf to show children where an object needs to go back to. So you might have a cutout template of a sand tool that goes onto the shelf so that that sand tool needs to be matched to the shape, the shadow of it, when it's put back on the shelf. OK, um, a good resource for this um, is available commercially, and that's a, a resource called Fablon which is like a sort of sticky back plastic that you can use to, to draw around some of your resources in your classroom, cut them out, peel off the fablon and then stick it directly onto the shelf. It tends to work better than laminated, uh, laminated coloured paper and things like that. Okay, what else? Well, spend time also thinking about the other ways that you label resources. So print. For example, what words are you going to be using? How will you organise that so that the children can link the words that are on your labelling to perhaps your phonic teaching? That might be something to consider. And you might want to consider how do you use number also as part of tidy up time? Can some of the pots, some of your pencil pots, for example, have numbers on so that when children are tidying away the pencils or tidying away a certain resource, they have to count them back into that space? Alongside that, what else do we need to think carefully about? Well, spend time thinking carefully about how many indoor resources are needed to make an area of provision. So when we're talking about provision areas, of course, we've got our sand area, our water area. We've got our maths area, our writing area, our blocks, small world construction area. Of course, each, each of those areas will have resources in it. But it's important to think carefully about which resources we definitely need. So how many resources are needed for this area to work effectively is an important question to ask. You'll need a good variety of resources, of course that offer lots of possibilities, possibilities for exploration and curiosity. But one thing we've got to really try to avoid is clutter. Having too many resources will lead to a space being cluttered. So too many resources on offer often leads to resources being valued less by the children and will also take longer to tidy away. 
A water area which is overcrowded with resources will inevitably lead to all of the resources being tipped into the water tray, so not really valued and not really leading to effective play and effective exploration. Whereas a water area with fewer resources in tends to be valued, the resources tend to be valued more and tend to lead to a higher level of engagement and more exploration going on within that space. So we're talking about really simplifying things, making sure that we're really clear about what we're offering and why we're offering it. It's really important also to simplify other things. So avoid when we're talking about systems, for example, systems within your classroom, avoid overcomplicating those systems. So try to avoid creating overcomplicated systems for, for example, for access to your areas of provision or to your outdoor area. Creating the expectation that only four children are allowed in the sand area at a time, for example, will lead to regular disruptions as children argue about who was the last one into that area uh, or who can play in there next. That low level kind of disruption really gets in the way. So instead of that, try to ensure that children know how to free flow between the areas so that they can go between the sand and the water area. They can go into the writing area. They can go into all of those different spaces. And if possible, they can go between the indoors and outdoor space as well. Systems that restrict the numbers of children who can use an area or access the outdoor area often lead to tension and to disruption. These systems can also lead staff into having to manage logistical situations rather than really focusing on the learning that's taking place. So if staff are constantly having to sort out who was the, there were four children in the sand area and we were, they were, four was the maximum and then a fifth child came into that space and there was a disagreement as to who was the fifth child. If staff are constantly having to sort that out, then they aren't really, staff are not being able to um, engage with the children or engage with the learning other than sorting out the logistical things that are happening. So, and some of that has been created in an overcomplicated way and actually we could probably do better without it. Okay, so systems, uh, avoid overcomplicated systems. Linking to that, um, I think we've also got to consider at this point, we've got to think about our use of time. So as you think about your timetable, and you'll be, of course, at this point in the half term, already starting to reflect on your timetable. As you do that, um, think carefully about your use of time. So when you think about your timetable, try to allow for long periods of time when the children can have their own ideas and can create and explore within the learning environment. When children are interrupted regularly, they get used to really not being engaged and to also not seeing an activity through to its conclusion. So instead, try to organise your timetable so that it allows for high levels of engagement and involvement rather than lots of stopping and starting. Directed teaching times and group activities are, of course, a key way to introduce concepts and, of course, to challenge thinking as well. But teaching effectively in the early years extends much further than, of course, the edge of the carpet. 
It's much more than just what happens on the carpet. Of course it is. And in part three of this series, we're going to be exploring just that, that crucial balancing act of that, of, of that idea of the time that we spend on the carpet, the time that we spend at the, spend at the group table, and of course, how we balance that out with opportunities for learning across our provision, both inside and outside. Uh, that balance, of course, is a key feature. Getting that balance right is a key feature of effective early years practice. And we'll look at that next time. Other key considerations here. Keep it consistent. At this stage in the half term, so as people have already been in for a few weeks now, so we are at the point in October just before half term, Often this is the stage that people start to think, do you know what? I think I might change everything around in my room. I might freshen everything up again. Okay. And although that might be tempting, because that is tempting. I understand that completely. Although that is tempting to try and freshen things up. Try not to change the layout of your room or rotate your resources on a regular basis. Because whilst change can create points of interest and, of course, excitement, it can also be time consuming. It can cause it can be time consuming for adults to, because once we start moving things around, it can be never ending. It can take us forever moving all sorts of different things around and then we get a bit stuck. So it can be time consuming, first of all. Also, it can cause anxiety. Now, that's an interesting thing. We don't talk about that enough, I don't think. Um, moving provision around, moving furniture around within your classroom, particularly without the children being part of that process, means that the next time they come into that room, what was very familiar and secure actually isn't anymore. And that change actually can cause anxiety and um Sometimes that what what can be mistaken, I think, for high levels of excitement and noise that people are the children are excited because we've changed it. Actually, I think is is sometimes more about anxiety than excitement and interest. Um, so we've got to think of very carefully about that. Um, also, moving lots of furniture around on a regular basis can make it more difficult for children to be independent learners. And actually, as we've already talked about, being independent, if, we, if, if our practice supports independent learning, then it supports our adults as well in terms of being able to engage with our children and use their time effectively. What else do we need to think about here? Well, try not to make major changes to your learning environment every week. And this, again, is something that people often do, I think, too much. So planning new activities in lots of areas of provision every week will be really hard to sustain and leave little time for the children to return to their own ideas. Instead, focus on the number of learning possibilities which are always available in each area of your provision. As ideas, fascinations, interests and themes emerge over the coming weeks and months, Make small additions to your continuous provision based on what you've observed and what you've discussed with your children. But don't feel under pressure to have something new in every area of provision every single week.
it really is difficult to sustain and it's difficult to come up with those ideas. People end up turning to Pinterest and all sorts of different things to keep coming up with ideas. When actually, it's far more effective to think about what's always available and to make sure there's real quality in what's always available. And then as it's meaningful to do so, just add small enhancements to maybe maybe two, certainly at the most three areas in one week. Don't feel that you've got to start every single week by introducing lots of new things across your provision because that will just confuse everybody. Okay, what else do we need to think about here? Well, we've got to think about something really important and that's the characteristics of effective learning. As the year progresses, use the characteristics of effective learning to evaluate the quality of the learning experience within each of your provision areas. Okay, so stand with the characteristics of effective learning in front of you when your children are accessing your provision. Look around you. Where do you see children having their own ideas and carrying those ideas out? Where do you see children making connections and making links to prior learning? Where do you see children showing resilience? Where do you see problem solving? Where do you see high levels of engagement? So through using those characteristics, you should be able to pinpoint which areas of your provision are working well, which ones are working effectively. And at the same time, you should be able to use it to identify which areas of provision still need some improvement or perhaps need rethinking. OK, lots to think about there. Finally, working in the early years foundation stage can be complex and it can be challenging too. But it provides you with an incredibly rewarding opportunity to shape the lives of young learners. Developing effective routines and high levels of organisation will have a positive impact on not just what the children learn in your class, but also how they go about learning too. Independent, independence, creativity, critical thinking, resilience and collaboration can all be nurtured and supported by an effective, well-planned learning environment with the right routines in place. Okay, I hope you found that useful. I hope it's given you lots to think about. As you develop those systems and those routines, as you develop your systems and routines for tidying up and the timings of your day and the organisation of your materials and resources, let us know how you get on. It would be great to hear from you. Um, so you can get in touch with with me here at the podcast. Uh, my email address is andy at earlyexcellence.com. It would be good to hear from you. Um, or you can get in touch with us at Early Excellence on social media as well. It, again, it would be good to hear from you if you've put some of these ideas in place. So so at Early Excellence, we're on all of the different social media platforms you can think of. So from Pinterest to Twitter and Facebook and all of the other ones. OK, so you can find Early Excellence on there. Get in touch with us on there. Or if you want to get in touch with me, um, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Andy Burt EEX on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, it would be great to hear from you.
there you go. So I hope you found that useful. I hope it's given you lots to think about. If you listen to part one of this series, you'll know that I finished it off by asking different people for their top tips. Their top tips for um, for being somebody who was new to the EYFS or an early career teacher. Um, and I asked different people around the office here at Early Excellence and they came up with all sorts of different things. Um, well, I've had um, one or two others um, back as well for you to consider. And I wondered about this one. Um, this is from uh, Matthew, my colleague Matthew Sayer, um, who is one of our consultants here at Early Excellence. And he said that if you are a new to the EYFS teacher um, or an early career teacher, one of the things that is a definitely a top tip is to make sure that you have got warm and waterproof clothing for outdoors. So um, warm boots or shoes for outdoors, for being outdoors, um, and also warm waterproof clothing as well. Um, we tend to be, I think he's right, we tend to be, I think, very good at thinking about what the children need. So um, thinking about their waterproof clothing, thinking about Wellington boots and organising all of those sorts of things, we don't tend to be quite so good at thinking about our adults within that outdoor space. And yet, as adults, if we're cold and wet and we're outdoors, particularly at this time of year, and we're getting cold and wet and a bit miserable, we won't be in the right frame of mind for supporting our children effectively. And we also won't be really in the right frame of mind for seeing the outdoors in terms of the fantastic possibilities that it provides. OK, so warm, comfortable clothing for outdoors is a definite must if it's, if it's something that you haven't currently got. OK top tip there for you. Okay, right. So thank you very much for listening in this week. I hope you found it useful. If you are on half term next week, have a fantastic half term. Have a really good break, a very well-deserved um, break and a rest. If you are the week after, then hang in there because we are nearly there. The end is in sight in terms of this first half term. Okay. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Did you know that we've recently published our Early Excellence Guide to Continuous Provision? It's a fully illustrated guide with lots of planning documents and practical guidance. It includes a three-part illustrated overview of what, why and how when it comes to continuous provision. It also includes a useful set of discussion points to support you and your team as you review your provision. It has within it a full set of continuous provision plans and guidance on how to use the plans with your team. If you want to find out more, go to our website, www.earlyexcellence.com. Go to the ideas and inspiration section and there you'll find information about our published provision guides. You can also follow the link in our podcast description, which will take you straight there. Mm-hmm.